Hey guys, welcome to the Next Level Agents Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Kaufman, and along with my business partner and co-host, Fred Weaver, we bring to you our podcast all about getting to the next level. Sometimes we talk to real estate agents, sometimes brokers, sometimes people just in and around our space, and sometimes just entrepreneurs in general. But our point here is to talk to the brightest and the best and to pull gold nuggets out of them and bring them to you so that way you can take little actionable pieces of advice, sometimes big actionable pieces of advice and make your business even better and help you get to the next level. Do me a favor, if you haven't already, go over to ratethispodcast.com, ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA, stands for Next Level Agents, and please leave us a five-star review if you have not already. All right, without further ado, welcome to today's episode. All right, welcome everybody. Good morning to those of you on the left coast and uh, good afternoon to the rest of you guys. Good to see everybody. Uh, you know, Kevin, I'm Fred, and we are joined today by uh, Mr. Joe Polish. And I'm going to get to him in one minute. I just want to make a quick announcement, Kevin, because uh, as many of you know, or all of you should know, this random book showed up in your mailbox last month. And uh, this is a little idea Kevin and I have been toying with for some time. And uh, we're very excited and very honored that uh, you'd come spend an hour with us today. Uh, I'm not sure, Kevin, if we use the right terminology by saying book club. Um, we're not necessarily expecting all of you to have to, you know, speak today and share all of your thoughts. But uh, we do. Th we did think it would be kind of cool to read the same book, a book that has uh, made a great impact on our life, but more importantly, an author that's made a big impact on our life. And uh, so we're excited for some of your insights. We'd love to have you guys share some questions with us today. But uh, Kevin, just in maybe a typical book club style. We won't necessarily be calling on everybody. Perhaps we'll do that another time. Uh, but we thank you guys for being here today and uh, hope you enjoyed your little surprise in the mail. And we hope uh, the book so far, whether you finished all of it or you're still in the middle of it, um, has made uh, made an impact on you. So Kevin, I'll turn it over to you, man. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for, first of all, Joe, thank you for for taking the time to be here and uh, and talk about this with us. When Fred and I had this idea, and, and Joe, I know we've shared some of it with you. I don't know that we've uh, kind of gone through all of it. Um, but part of it was let's find someone that's got a book that number one, we like, uh, but also they're a person that we like that matters a lot to us as I know it matters to you. So it was really, uh, fortuitous timing that, that this book was just got released at the end of last year. And, uh, and we're like, there's probably not a better person for us to try out this format, if you will, of a book club than, uh, than Joe Polish, especially given the title of the book. And so uh, I'm excited to spend to spend this hour or so with you and kind of just kind of dive further into not only the book, but your story, Joe. So thank you. Yeah, no, totally. And, and thank you. It's great to be here with you guys. And for everyone that's watching, um, this box that you put together to send out my book, I had nothing to do with it. It like you guys just took this upon yourselves. It's awesome. And I love it when I do something and then someone else just makes it that much more better and adds a, a, level, a level of enhancement to it. So, uh, and let me, let me also say that chat GPT did not write my book or GPT four or whatever AI system, just so in case anyone knows, I spent two years really uh, thinking about what I've done well, that has worked well in my life and how could I share that in a way that other people could utilize it. And the other things are all the different ways I've made mistakes and where I've screwed up and how I've gotten myself in traps. So the book is a combination of kind of things that have worked for me, I think would work for almost anyone and a bit of cautionary tale. And it's really a book for people that are givers and how to better boundary and protect yourself from takers. And, and uh, so if someone doesn't like my book, uh, I don't, they may be a taker. That's at least the way I frame it in my head. I think that's a good frame. You know, I wasn't planning to start with this question, but I'm going to because uh, the way you just you talked about uh, the way we we took the boxes and sort of kind of took your idea, your book, and then put our own spin on it. This book feels a lot like, um, I don't want to say part two, but I also don't, I know you would not say a better version either, but a, almost a continuation of the 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 famous book when when friends and and influence people right is that yeah that the initial like thought process when you sat down to write this well yeah you know i've always loved dale carnegie's uh work i mean he, all of his books are great and i've read all of them and when i was in my early 20s i i even went through a dale carnegie course here in phoenix and it was like a 12-week course and it was interesting because i always remember the the chapter uh don't criticize condemn or complain um 
but I love to criticize, condemn, and complain, but in a joyful sort of bantering manner with my friends uh, that I really like. And so if anyone's been around me, I will bust on my friends. There's a big difference between just bantering versus being cruel. I don't want to be cruel to anybody. Uh, and, and there's a lot of people that actually get off being bullies. And so, but I've thought about, you know, Robert Cialdini, who is a, a dear friend for almost 30 years. He wrote, you know, his famous book. He's written many uh, great books, but uh, Influence and, and Persuasion are his two biggest books. And so I've studied influence as, as have you guys, right? There's So if you think of how to win friends and influence people, there's not a single person here that does not want to influence people to do what they want them to do. The question becomes though, you know, how to win the right friends and influence the right people. Uh, I'm sure everyone has sold somebody into a deal or into a product or a service or brought them into your life or into a relationship where you're just like, holy shit, why did I use my influence skills in order to bring this nightmare into my life, right? So you only want to align yourself with people that are aligned with you. I mean, that's ultimately what we want. Uh, and, and if you have the skills of persuasion and influence and resourcefulness and risk-taking and all of the characteristics that make up entrepreneurship and uh, being in a business that your income and your uh, you know progress forward relies on your ability to to perform and produce a result because you know I, I don't think there's anyone that's listening to us right now who's uh in the time and effort economy they're in the results economy you know their their pay their income their impact even if what you're doing is not for money has the ability to produce a result so you don't want to waste time with people that are half hard annoying lame and frustrating you want to spend your time with people that are elf easy lucrative and fun and in order to have an elf business versus a half business you can have a hard annoying lucrative and frustrating relationship uh i'm sure everyone can think immediately yeah there was someone where there was money involved but my god what i i, I kind of bled my soul i got my heart broken whatever and so how to win friends and influence people this book would not exist without that book i i definitely say that in the beginning of it and uh it's also you know the the right friends it is it is about selecting people that your talents, your skills, your usefulness are best applied. I call it in chapter two, Tammy, time, attention, money, effort, and energy, because uh, you, you can only spend your Tammy on so many things. You don't want to spend it on people you're not aligned with. Yeah, that. thank you for, for kind of starting there. I think um, one of the reasons why this book has hit so well, at least with the people that we've shared this book with, and my hunch is you're getting a, a lot more of the similar feedback, uh, is that pe people love it because it sort of reads to me as a roadmap. Like if you're not naturally, um, I'm not saying that this isn't easy or that this is easy for you or that you don't put effort into it, but you are, you are so good at it. It looks, you make it look easy to be able to, to not just influence people, but to create friends and really to do everything in your book. I love that you took the time to sort of write a roadmap for other people where it could actually take more energy from them. Whereas like, I'm similar to you, it's a lot easier for me to do this naturally without even having to think about it. Um, whereas I know for a lot of people, they want to get better at this and you just gave them a way how to actually tactically go do it. Right. Yeah. And, and, and really what I, the, the punchline of all of this is I wrote a book about connection capabilities, how to connect with people, how to meet people. Uh, what I think initially causes people to want to maybe read it in the business world is how am I going to get more deals? Uh, how am I going to make progress? How am I going to make money? And, you know, Vern Harnish, uh, you know, who's the founder of EO, he he gave me a great testimonial where he talked about, you know, how to make uh, real friends versus deal friends. And that's, and, and by the way, let me just say this as an aside, is that every testimonial that I've gotten for this book that's on the cover uh, only came from someone that has read the entire book. One of, one of my requests when I sent it out, uh, pre-release copies to uh, certain individuals was don't give me a testimonial or a blurb uh, or anything favorable about the book unless A, you read the entire thing and B, you actually like it. Uh, and, and so I'm trying to actually, uh, I keep saying the word actually, I wonder what that means. What am I trying to say here? So what I want is I want people to quit bullshitting people i mean there's so many books that have testimonials from famous people that have never read the damn book and so part of this is it's a book not just on capabilities but on character have a really solid character so that people that are givers that are 
more empowered givers and people that are takers, or at least they've been trained that way. Because there's a lot of young people that they'll go work for someone who's a total hustler, kind of a con man or a con woman. And they believe that's the way you actually develop relationships with people. So yeah, you want to have relationships in business that are profitable, that are awesome and all that sort of stuff. But in your life, you you actually, I, 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 I would like to think that most people that have the ability to have empathy, and, and there are people that do not. There are narcissists, there are sociopaths, there are psychopaths, and I want to protect the people that I can you know, I can't protect them, but I can share my experience because I have developed relationships in my career at times and helped people that were massively abusive, that were complete con artists, that get a thrill out of hurting people. And there are people that are connectors. There's connecting and there's connecting where you connect by conning people. And if I could share anything that would give some insider awareness just to get people to stop and start checking their gut and to better develop their spidey senses, I think that would be a good contribution or a great contribution. So I refer to it as, you know, the domino, you know, everyone here, I would ask, think about another book or think about a person or think about an activity or an insight or an awareness. It might've come through their association with you guys. That was a domino that, that changed the trajectory of how they live, how they think, how they function, how they make money, how they do business. And there are dominoes, and I want to be a domino for other people with it. I want the book to be a domino. I don't want it to just be, oh, this is kind of an insightful book. I mean, I think the the real skill of, of a great teacher is not just sharing ideas, but sharing them in a way to where you can transfer it, where people can take what you have shared with them and they can use it in their own life. And I was terrible at all of these things uh, early on as, as a kid. I was shy. I was introverted. I was scared. I still don't like cocktail parties. I'm not some great schmoozer. You're probably better at, at, at some relationship navigation than, than I am, uh, you know, in, in different ways. And so for, for me, though, what I what I want is people that if they're shy, if they're introverted, if they're scared, or on the flip side, if they're boisterous, you know, gauge the situation. Look at what is the purpose of the relationship in the first place? Where do people have pain in their life where you can help either reduce it, eliminate it? And if you can't do either, you at least acknowledge it and you can sit and be a companion to them. Because if you at least have that awareness, even if it's like by 5% increase, all kinds of things in your life, I think will be uh, more effective. Man, that's huge. You just, it's funny as you answered a couple questions for me there uh, that I was going to ask you all in one. And I kind of knew you would because I've been in the room with you enough and I've also listened to enough uh, other podcasts and just uh, content that you've been on to know that you're, you're, you're going to tend to go a, a few different ways. I want to, there's a, there's a question that Fred and I posed to each other a little bit before we started today, which was now that the book's actually out and you've got real feedback um, you're, you're getting feedback from the number of sales and, and people's blurbs and here's, you know, the reviews. And I know that we all know that not all reviews are, are glowing and you're done writing it. Do you, is, is there anything different about what you want people to take away from it sort of post actually finishing the book than you sat down with initially when you started to write it a couple of years ago? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope that, uh, it just continues to grow because you once you put something out into the wild you don't know you know all your friends can tell you your book is great uh and, and that that always happens so i remember something my late friend dave kekich said who spent half his life in a wheelchair uh he has uh 100 credos called kekich credos and you know i i actually acknowledge him in 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 the beginning of the book uh him and uh you know a couple of other friends that have passed away and D Dave, uh, he one of the credos was uh, life is seldom as great as it seems when it's going well, or, or, or seldom as bleak as it seems when it's going wrong. Lighten up, you'll live long. I mean, you'll <laughs> lighten up, you'll live longer. And part of it is the point behind that is don't take praise like, oh, my God, it's so wonderful and amazing. And I do love praise. I like when people and also negative things, too. And, and believe it or not there was a hell of a lot more positivity towards my book and way more glowing things than I ever could have expected. Uh, very few negative responses. There's one on Amazon 
that was very thoughtful and the pers person actually the, the negative review guy in the uk uh the fact that he took the time to write about how he felt that i focused uh too much on pain uh i don't think uh he maybe understood it the way that i understood it or i conveyed it but the fact that he wrote up his perspective on it i very much appreciate it because it was thoughtful versus just someone that just attacks and there are people that do that but there's very few there was a hell of a lot less than i thought and most of the reviews are glowing and some of the videos and some of the letters i get are unbelievable so the to answer the question what i hope comes out of it is things like this you know i didn't realize people would be starting book clubs up around my book i mean my dentist created a book club there's a, a women's group that that is using my book and they asked me to speak and, and and there's a lot of people that are using my book to do uh training with their team members and stuff and i and i never thought that that would happen so that that whole thing about ideas having sex uh, what happens is you throw something out that you plant a seed because that's what a book is a, a book is a seed it's a probe you put it out there and i spent more time you know surrounding me on the bookshelf for like four other books that i've written uh, two are on addiction recovery because that's where i spend half of my time people that struggle with addiction and the other one's a marketing book and the other one's a book called life gives to the giver that i, I give away for free and so uh, this particular book uh, what's in it for them I spent two years on it and I put a pause on it when I took a one-year sabbatical. And when I did that sabbatical, I I literally scrapped the whole book that I had written prior and I redid the whole thing. Uh, and this this one version that uh, is completed that everyone has gotten a copy of, thank you, uh, I spent two years uh, total on, oh, probably even more. I, I shouldn't even say total. It was more than two years on this book. In every line of this book, I've went through six different times. So there's not another knowledge product i didn't whip this thing together it was very thoughtful i put a lot into it because I, I i wanted this book to be useful even when i'm no longer on the planet i i hope people one day will read my book and get some uh value out of it, even like they have with uh how to win friends and influence people so i didn't try to write a timely book i tried to write a timeless book well i'm gonna go ahead and just say that i think i think you accomplished that um you mentioned the sabbatical so i'm gonna ask it here i was, was planning to wait till a little bit later um, would you mind telling, telling us a little bit about the sabbatical sort of why, and like, I'll, I'm curious as to like, number one, would you do it again? Would you take away from it? Cause especially a lot of folks, for the most part, everyone on here with us is in real estate and mm -hmm. most real estate, uh, are no agents are no different than a lot of your friends, which are type a hard drivers work way too much. So yeah. I love the idea that you just said, hey, I'm out of here uh, for a year. Tell us about that idea. What'd you take away from it? Would you do it again? Yeah, yeah, I would do it again. I would do it differently because when I came back, uh, going into it, it was the, we're, we're talking about the world was in the middle of a pandemic and without going into a whole bunch of tangents, which would be really easy for me to do. I, I realize there's a lot of evil stuff happening in the world. There are some people that really want, uh, they, they profit from the pain and the suffering and the death of other humans and their tyrants. And there's, there's just a lot of bad players. Um, compared to humanity, I think most people are fundamentally good and awesome humans. And, and some people that are hurt others, they're hurt themselves and they're traumatized and uh there's very tiny percentage of evil but there is evil uh how i would define evil you know just rotten to the core um in pain that has turned outward you know it's like this toxicity and what caused the reason why i wanted to take a sabbatical many things led up to it uh sean stevenson who was my best friend he died uh you know in 2019 and i was with him in the hospital when he died from an accident that was terrible uh previously to that i had a a, a breakup that was pretty gut-wrenching and unfortunate i had another despicable person that was stealing uh, a lot of my ip someone that i had helped to become um, you know pretty much rich and famous that was stealing my work and i had to you know stop that and you know that, that was difficult uh, there were several other friends that had passed away. And so there's a lot of lead up to difficulty. So I, I, I would be lying if I said the sabbatical was because I reached a pinnacle of success and I just wanted to celebrate it. It, it, it was not that. 
it, I, I had a sense the world was going to go into a dark place. And so here we were in the, you know, 2020 and the, the pandemic had started and I spent half my time thinking about, talking about, reading about doing things related to addiction recovery. Uh, some days it's more work, other days it's more recovery, but you know, for the most part, it's about half my, my, my focus in terms of things that I think I can do in the world is, is in that uh, arena. And I've been in recovery for over 20 years, never realizing that how much, how useful that would be when the world gets chaotic uh, is all those years in recovery. And I have a friend who gave me the term elf, easy, lucrative, and fun named Mark Schneider. And I was talking with him, you know, a couple times a week. I'd recently introduced him to the, uh, you know, singer, dancer, Paula Abdul, who I've known for for a while. Uh, Sean Stevenson actually originally introduced me to her back in 2009, I think it was. And I had introduced them to each other. And Mark was a guy that was worth about $300 million. And he had made a bunch of money with products and, and things, uh, a lot on home shopping networks and QVC and, and things like that. And I put him and Paula uh, in touch with each other. And they were doing a project, which I felt was going to be one of the biggest things she's done in years. And he loved it. And his son, Cole, who's a musician, I get a call from, uh, or not a call, I got a message on Instagram of all things. And he said, uh, are you on WhatsApp? And I said, yes. And he's like, can I call you? So he did. And he tells me that they uh, found, he found his father uh, at 59 years old, dead in bed that morning. And something you know kind of went off in my head i don't know why sabbatical but i got this thought like take a sabbatical and at the time i'm like the last person you know spent so many years as a complete workaholic wired to be constantly busy i've even had my brain scanned six different times in a resting scan versus an active scan i'm more stressed out in a resting scan at least when i first did my first brain scan in 2010 uh you know daniel amen who's done a lot of brain scans he did my uh you know first one and he looked at my brain and he says if you're not busy you're not a happy guy that was in 2010 but what that caused me to do was start doing a lot of stuff. I got trained in transcendental meditation, started doing hyperbaric oxygen, different supplementation, a lot of different practices, yoga, et cetera, et cetera. But I am wired as are most of the people that are, 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 are in that business, right? In the real estate business, driven, active, ADD, distractible, you know, going a million miles an hour. That's because they're hunters, not farmers. You know, the, the book uh, written by uh, Dr. Doug Brackman uh, called Driven, who's uh, a buddy of mine, uh, he, he'll actually be out here in uh, in June for Genius Network. Uh, he wrote a book called Driven. And so there's five to 10% of the population that have the D2 and D4 gene, which is the hunter gene. And most hunters are have trouble sleeping, uh, never satisfied with anything, constantly active. They don't people well with uh, farmers and they need a tribe of, uh, of of other hunters because, and that's what the driven personality is. So I certainly am that. And so to say, I'm going to take a sabbatical was like crazy, but I, the, the reason that I, I think it came to my mind and I had to ponder it for a bit. I was like, can I really, like, I have a whole business where I run, you know, genius network and I run a group that people pay a hundred grand a year for uh, called the hundred K group. And you know, how the hell do I take a one-year sabbatical without having my business fall apart? So I had to think about that. So I had a couple of conversations with people that I knew that had taken a, a long, you know, time off uh, vacation or a sabbatical. One of those people was David Bach, the author David Bach, who in 2000, and we put it up on YouTube. It's a 10-minute talk. He gave it at my Genius Network annual event about how he had taken a one-year sabbatical but I had been talking to him for years about this. So the seed had been planted many years ago. Is it possible to do that? Then I talked to a couple of other friends. And what I realized is that the people that wanted to dispense the most advice about how to do a sabbatical have never actually taken one. And so, <laughs> uh, and I also found that reading, uh, you know, taking a sabbatical and, and, and not being on social media for an entire year, no social media, had no apps, nothing on my phone related to anything social media. Uh, not being on social media was more inspiring to my brain than reading inspirational quotes on social media. And, and there's a, so what I did is I started setting it up and, and think of it this way, you know, in order, these are the, the, 
this fist over here is the conditions of what you want in your life. You know, you want money, you want relationships, you want different things. Um, in order to get the, you know, what you want, uh, the conditions of your life to be awesome, you have to set it up a certain way. So I wanted to take a one-year sabbatical, but the question is, how the hell do I set that up? So I, my brain starts then going to, what are all the things, if I had to take a sabbatical, what am I willing to let go of? And what am I, uh, what, what am I willing to do? And I had to come clear in my head that even if my business fell apart, it doesn't matter. Uh, now, secondly, it's real easy for me to say this. Some people financially, time-wise could not take a sabbatical at the moment. So the question is, what would, would I need to do? So I gave myself six months to really think about it. The hardest thing was the, the sheer momentum of stuff that I have spent years developing, you know, this, these work driven sort of activities. And what I've learned from recovery is unlearning is more important than learning. So I needed to unlearn how to approach life and how to approach uh, edification and acknowledgement. And I had to eke out every part of me as much as I could. And it's not every part because I don't think it's, it's possible if you're conscientious. Uh, I had to get rid of as many parts of me that required external validation because I'm in a world where, you know, I'm around a lot of people. So, and I had to cut off a lot of communication with uh, different people. So the, the thing that caused the sabbatical was I have a very wealthy friend, 59 years old, great guy, funny guy, and he died because of health-related things. And I was like, man, you know, where's the world going? And the other part of it too, you know, Kevin and Fred, is that, you know, money is really important. I am a capitalist. I I, I don't poo-poo money. People that say money isn't important, isn't important, you know, try living without it. And people that say money can't buy happiness, it's it's a foolish statement. I buy happiness all the time. Uh, you know, but, but it can also buy misery. And when I was, you know, active in addiction, having money allows your, you to buy whatever crazy vice that your brain and your purchasing power can, can get you. And so money can be used as an incredible tool, or you can use it to really mess up your life. And so, and, and the other thing is, you know, people that say money can't buy happiness haven't given enough of it away. And so part of it is I had to think of like, what sort of contribution, and I don't mean like bullshit contribution. I'm not trying to portray myself as some philanthropic angel here. I mean, the, the stuff that I do in re recovery is valuable to me. I mean, my own self-interest is to stay sober and to stay connected. I mean, the opposite of addiction is connection. So my one word is connection. And I was very disconnected from parts of myself. I was very, and, and I go in and out of that. We all do. So my, my goal and my objective of my consciousness is to deepen my connectivity with myself and others. And it's real easy to let work take that away. You know, workaholism uh, is the respectable addiction. And I spent years building the patterns of it. And so how could I step away from that? So uh, even talking about this will make some people uncomfortable because the brain will immediately think like, well, I can't do that. I have a family, I have a business, I have these things to support. I have all these clients. I don't have anyone that works for me. There's a million obstacles. I mean, the brain can always come up with all the reasons why you can't. Uh, but my friend, Dr. Alan Barnard, you know, he has this great line where he's like, it's impossible uh, you know, dot, 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 unless dot, 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 or it's impossible unless dot, dot, dot. So if you, if you shouldn't think it's possible for me to take a sabbatical, if anyone was here, unless dot, 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 I win the lottery or I hire someone or I set up my business in a certain way, if I drop these relationships or if I leave my company, uh, if I sell my company, if I get a divorce, you know, if I get married, I mean, there, you know, there's, there's met, you just let your brain explore all the different things. So when people say it's impossible in your current level of thinking, it is, uh, and you don't, you know, you don't need a one-year sabbatical, but maybe you do. Maybe you, it's not about what you need. It's about what you want. You know, that whole find a need and fill it, you know, I mean, you guys know as well as I do, that's total bullshit. It's find a want and fill it. You know, people, you know, should eat better, but they don't want to eat better. People should not drink and drive, but some people do. 
people should have protected sex if you want to guilt you know people with the word should but the, you know people do what it is they want so everyone uh that is you know listening watching reading my book whatever think about you know what do you want and and how do you set it up to do that and i believe with what's in it for them you know part of this is you don't want to be a martyr and you can't fix the world with broken hands and so for me i saw the world going into a dark place and i was already working on the book what's in it for them and i'm sitting there heavily focused on okay what has worked well in my life it's when i approach people in situations not about what's in it for me but what's in it for them because that's what people actually care about it's really uh you know if i want something then I'd, i i need to make sure if i want something from another human and all of us do i want to make sure that my give is equal to or greater than my want because the people that we like hanging out with are people that show up with giver energy not taker energy and everyone that's 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 with us here think about who are the people that are your favorite relationships when the phone rings or they text you or you get a message you get a sense of woo not a sense of ah oh, you know and i had a lot of on ah, my life i mean you've been in my office here right in the genius network room we have a a a, a big uh, gaping void print that has one of my quotes on it that says be willing to destroy anything in your life that's not excellent and there were a lot of things in my life that weren't excellent and i didn't know how to easily unravel them so i was like fuck it i'm going to take a one year sabbatical i'm going to Think about it because I had a podcast I'd done with Dan Sullivan about entrepreneurs that are too tightly scheduled cannot transform themselves. And I was too tightly scheduled. And if there's people that are listening that you're so tightly scheduled, it's really hard to have a breakthrough. In order to have a breakthrough, you got to break something. And I, I needed to get myself revved up in my mind and say, you know, I'm walking away from it. Even And I had to say that no matter what, I cannot be bought. I, 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 I cannot be a prostitute in this particular situation. And someone even offered me $200,000 to do a one hour podcast with them during my sabbatical that I met at a uh, freaking party. And I was like, nope, I uh, can't do it. Uh, because did I want the money? Of course, if someone would offer me $10 million, I still would have rejected it. Uh, would I have wanted the money? Of course. Uh, however, it, I, it, it, I knew it would have violated the, the code and I could not break that one. And so the sabbatical was uh valuable it's one of the best things i've ever done and what i also learned uh, is i could probably accomplish the level of nervous system recalibration uh, in six weeks now that it took me a year of bouncing around to figure that out and so that's one of my current uh, things that i've navigated is is now setting up my life so i could do that because when i came back from the sabbatical there were a ton of people that they were just waiting like a year to pounce on me and uh, that was a difficult journey too. So, but uh, you know, I, I think of it this way: life is always a continual uh, business; is always a continual treadmill of shit. Meaning, you don't walk outside your, you know, beach house, your home in the mountains, or whatever, and you're like, oh, "I've got no stress. Everything works out. I've got a bunch of people working for me, and everything's just handled. No one complains about anything." I mean, that that's a that's a joke. I mean, a business is solving problems for a profit. Uh, and for people to actually think that there's never going to be any problems, we wake up every day as entrepreneurs and we eat problems. If there were no problems, there'd be no business. If there were not struggles and challenges, there'd be no business. Uh, most money is made transforming other people's bad news into good news. That's what happens. You know, we all want something. And then there's people like, I, I'm going to want a lunch. And right after we're done eating here, I'll probably want to eat something. And so part of it, we all want something. So as it relates to humans, though, you, you know, make sure that you show up with a give equal to or greater than you want. And if if you're really burnt out and you're really, you know, uh, you, you're really just you and you know it. If, if see people drink and they do drugs and they watch porn and they gamble and they play games and they do all kinds of things, uh, you know, they consume sugar and caffeine and, and all kinds of stuff uh, in an attempt to numb the part of them that's just crying out for some love or for some help or for some nourishment and so you're either eating like our friend michael burdoff uh so his he has a book called average sucks and then i have another friend that writes my um 
Yeah, there you go. I have another, you should, I, I got another book recommendation for everyone. So the guy that is, writes the blog for geniusrecovery.org, my, uh, re, my recovery foundation is Ken Wells. He's actually local here in, in, in Arizona. And he wrote a, a book called dare to be average. And I told him terrible title because no one wants to aspire to be average, but that's not what he means. What he means is that the actual joy in life comes from the mundane you know, if you think about your life, if you've ever watched a James Bond movie, and of course you have, uh, but everyone that's, you know, watching us, uh, and you think about no one's life is that cool. Most of life is filled with a lot of just not cool stuff and, and a lot of boringness. And what happens is entrepreneurs that are so tightly scheduled, constant chasing deals is they're constantly pursuing dopamine. They're, they're, they're looking for that biochemical charge and they become pleasure deaf. And they can't have fun holding hands with someone and just going for a stroll or sitting and staring at a tree or they can't meditate or they can't listen to music even though maybe they used to listen to music when they were in high school or whatever. And now it's all podcast and personal development and, and nonstop work and all of their relationships are business related and 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 what happens is all work and no play makes uh, joe a dull boy and so you know i had to really take a look at that and and that was sort of my endeavor do i still have these characteristics of course uh, there's nothing like if you want to know what someone struggles with uh look at what they write books about teach seminars on talk about constantly i mean you know they you know, the, the the key though is I want to be congruent with the message. I don't I don't want to dispense advice that I don't take, because uh, most of the personal development world that's what it's filled with a bunch of people writing books. Even some that are so I mean there are people that have millions of followers online that pretend they're monks that do really good videos and they you know are articulate and stuff and they're scoundrels. I mean because I know most of these people and in in my world I get to meet most people you know and, and people are always trying to you know how do you meet this person how do you meet and they think like the famous person and having access to someone that's you know well known is somehow translates into money and, and opportunity i mean you can parlay it in that degree but you have to do the work you have to show up with with the goods and you know how i treat my my uh, close friends and people that become part of my inner circle or how are people that are more powerful treat people that are less powerful than them and uh, I needed to check myself before I wrecked myself. And I think a sabbatical is a good way for people to check themselves before they wreck themselves, because a lot of people are wrecking themselves every day. And if you're wrecking yourself every day and you compulsively cannot stop, uh, you probably have an addiction. And it may be worth taking a look at and seeing how you could take care of this million dollar racehorse, which we all have. And I'll tell that I'll, I'll tell the million dollar racehorse, it, but I want to stop my ramble at this moment because I know I went through like by, you know, different topics in the last 10 minutes. No, that was awesome, Joe. Just a quick interjection. Uh, we're uh, past the halfway point here. I want to give uh, our audience, those of you guys that have joined us live, uh, an opportunity to type some questions in the chat. So, uh, Kevin, I'll turn it back to you for a question or a follow-up or two. But if you guys will, fill the uh, Q&A with some questions here. We'll make sure we get a couple of these over to Joe before we wrap up. One of the things, Joe, first of all, I, I want to I want to just acknowledge you because you're that guy. I can remember you and I going to lunch a couple, couple years ago uh, at a restaurant that for a moment, I thought you were going to buy the restaurant just so it didn't go out of business. And so the <laughs> current owners didn't get screwed out of anything. Right. Uh, that's, that's the kind of guy you are. And that's the experience I've had. Uh, you know, it's funny. I wasn't sure if I was going to share this with you or not, but I'm going to. Um, somebody had posted kind of a thank you, uh, you know, of for inviting them to this book club and giving them a copy of the book and all that. And there was another author who, who made a comment about, Oh, he's in the relationship game. Now I thought, you know, I thought he was just a marketer. And I remember things was like, man, you clearly don't, I actually said to him, I was like, you obviously don't know Joe. Like I've all, granted, I've only known, I've only known you for about five or six years now, but from the beginning, man, like all I've gotten from you is about how important connection is and relationships are. And I've seen you do that in real life, not just with the high powered entrepreneurs in your room that show up in that building, but like out in real life. And, and for me, that that's something I respect about you. So I just wanted to acknowledge you for that. Thank but you. I also want to acknowledge you for something that you mentioned, uh, you kind of alluded to it. And I want to give you a moment to talk about it because 
you reframed for me personally. I'll never forget. I was at uh, the first Genius Network annual event that I'd gone to, which I believe was 2017, and Gabor Mate was was one of the guests. And um, and you you talked a lot about addiction and independency and, and so many other things. So you reframed for me my own personal judgments around addictions and how the, how people deal with things. Would you mind? sharing with everyone, whether that's for a minute or for, for 10 minutes, your view on addicts and, and recovery and, and the way things, the way you'd like to see things be. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. And, and here's the thing. When I started talking openly about it, it was actually in 2015 where I went, I had, you know, 300 something people at one of my annual events. And these are high level people. There were, you know, a couple billionaires in the room and people were, had either paid you know, 10,000 for a ticket, or they were already existing Genius Network members, or, you know, which is $25,000 a person. So these are, you know, and they're all running million dollar plus businesses. A lot of them, you know, several people that are running massive companies there. And I got up on stage and said, in my mind, you know, this is either going to ruin my career, or it's just going to get this out into the open. And I believe not for me, but for everyone uh, and I felt I was, it was, I could talk about it and, and I'm not suggesting, uh, as I share any of this, that someone makes a Facebook con confessional about how, you know, they have all these things going on in their life. I mean, you want to confide, uh, I'm a big believer in 12 steps. Uh, so, you know, you want to have someone trusted that you can kind of share and navigate stuff. There's a big difference between secrecy and privacy. What I've learned is that with addiction, addiction thrives in secrecy. Addiction thrives in the dark, kind of like mold and fungus. Uh, if you shine light on it, it's hard for it to grow uh, or replicate as, as much. Not, not that it can't, but it's 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 really we're as sick as our secrets is 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 the same. And silent battles are the hardest battles to fight. And I talked about drug addiction because I was a you know drug addict. When I was my worst state was when I was 18 years old and I was freebasing cocaine almost daily. There was one period where I uh, smoked cocaine every single day for three and a half months straight. I didn't take a day off. And then and there was one week where I had gotten down to 105 pounds in my worst state because I had not eaten for several days. And when you're a male, 18 years old, and you weigh 105 pounds, you are as skinny as a rail, right? And, and on average, I weighed about 120 pounds, but there was one week where I was just so malnourished and I was, you know, blowing my nose and little pieces of flesh would come out. My nose was constantly bleeding. I burnt a hole in one of my, only one, surprisingly, I have no idea, uh, in one of my back molars, uh, you know, smoking uh, with a crack pipe, basically. And, uh, you know, just the enamel of the teeth. And so I was a wreck. And it's and, and, and I say all this because uh, it's it's interesting how resilient the human body and spirit can be if you don't completely destroy it. Uh, but I probably, you know, I mean, I think a lot of my mental functioning was was definitely damaged as a result of that. However, you know, there was a part of me that's just like, ah, you know, keep going. So uh, that was drug addiction, but my actual core addiction was sexual addiction, which is an intimacy disorder. And my favorite definition of intimacy was given to me by an 80-year-old gay man who I never met in person, but I talked with him over the phone because a friend that I had taken through his first 12-step group uh, had introduced me to this guy and said, you really need to talk to this guy. And uh, he said, intimacy is a mutual exploration of a shared safe place abuse is anything that takes away the safe place and addictions are what we do to make ourselves feel good when we don't have a safe place. So if you don't feel safe in the world, you're going to look for a way to scratch the itch. You're going to look for a way to escape. You're going to look for a way to just try to feel better. So I believe addiction is a response to trauma uh, or lacking uh, biochemical things like serotonin or dopamine. So if you don't have happy chemicals surging through your body, you're going to look for ways to try to find that. Work is a great way to get a dopamine hit, as is looking at the internet, as is looking at porn. Uh, I've become friends with um, a woman who wrote a great book on uh, addiction recovery. She's actually come into my you know, Genius Network annual event in December this year. Her name's Dr. Anna Lemke, and she wrote a, a great book called Dopamine Nation. And you know, if you if you eat chocolate, you get a 55% dopamine hit from chocolate. If you uh, have sex, it's 150% on average dopamine hit. Cocaine is a 225% hit. Uh, 
methamphetamines is a thousand percent dopamine hit. That's why speed is such, you know, that's why so many people consume caffeine in, in, in speed because you get a big dopamine hit. Uh, healthy ways to get dopamine are things like cold plunges. Before, uh, an hour and a half ago from right now, I was sitting in uh, a cold plunge uh, at, at a place right down the street. Uh, you get a 200% dopamine hit uh, from a cold plunge. So I do saunas and cold plunges. So there's all kinds of ways to do it, but addiction. So for me, I was raped and molested as a kid. I was paid money not to say anything. It wired in my mind that sex is shameful and dirty unless you pay for it. My mother died when I was four years old. My father never remarried. Uh, and I just never had a good model of healthy sexual relationships. So when it comes to what's in it for them or a connection, I was the most disconnected person growing up. So the reason that connection became such an important thing to me later in life was uh, I, I was starving for it and I didn't know how to do it. And so uh, I wish I could say that the things that I've done and what I've learned uh, were, you know, out of a great role modeling or inspiration, but no, it was, it was desperation. And I spent years, I, I even became a millionaire before the age of 30, uh, but I had not yet dealt with the sexual addiction. So I would oftentimes do uh, events. I mean, I went, I started as a Deborah carpet cleaner living off credit cards and I learned marketing, never thinking I would teach it to anyone. I, I, I learned it because I needed to survive and I got really good at it. And I thought it was really amazing skill. And I transformed thousands of businesses with in the nineties with my marketing courses and things. And I always had uh, great ethics. I always hundred percent guaranteed everything I, 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 I sold. I, I, I never went into businesses where, where people were, where it was a win lose. I mean, I, I remember this saying I heard early on, you know, be nice to the people you meet on the way up. They're the same people you meet on the way down. And even when I was an addict, I was mostly imploding. I mean, I've made hundreds of amends to people, you know, there's the amends in, um, you know, the, the, the ninth step, which is make amends um, whenever possible, except when to do so would injure yourself or others. So I'm, I'm very much about uh, realizing that myself included, everyone thinks they're right. Even when you could be horribly wrong, you could have it in your mind that you are right. And so there's that whole saying, you know, people judge themselves on their intentions, but they judge others on their actions. And so I have to pause a lot as I've gotten older and say, you know what, even though I believe this is the case, a belief means you're just not sure. So where could I be wrong? And so I pause a lot more. And, and when I was in active addiction, I was reacting to everything. When I'm in recovery, I'm responding and responding to life will uh, yield way greater results than reacting and reacting is, because we react all the time. You know, I mean, it, we, we're reacting when we don't even realize we're reacting. And so with with addiction, um, the sexual addiction, very much filled with shame, embarrassment, Um I mean, I felt like a human piece of crap when after I was uh, sexually abused. And, 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 and let me pause and say, you know, there are people listening that have had horrible things happen. Don't take any of this as I don't want this to sound uh, as woundology. And I was this wounded person. I mean, I, I, I definitely was a victim. Uh, I've done my best in, a, in adult life to, to realize that, you know, there's probably great lessons and gifts that come out of that, even though it took me years to even like how could any of this have been a positive thing because it wasn't it wasn't a positive thing it's what i do with it you know trauma is not what was done with you it's what happens after it's what you do with what were you able to process it so i spent many years not not knowing how to process it not having anyone to talk to and it eked out in in addiction and i got up on stage in 2015 and i talked about sleeping with hookers i talked about doing drugs and i was like this is either going to ruin me or whatever uh, I did it as authentically and as openly as I could. And I, I was sweating my ass off underneath like a kind of a suit. And it was nerve wracking as hell. And I had men and women come up to me afterwards and say thank you and giving me hugs. And, uh, you know, a, a couple of women uh, literally said I used to sell my body, uh, like very successful women th that are amazing. And uh, men that say, yeah, I'm a porn addict, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a work addict. My son's, you know, or my daughter's doing drugs, you know, all the, and I was like, wow. So it really made me shift my gears to 
talking more about it. And in the beginning, like a lot of people wanted me to just teach marketing stuff. And I was like, no, I'm going to sell people what they want and try to give them what they need. And now the, we have the most solid group of people that where it's a real, it's a, it's a connection network. It's not a mastermind anymore. It's a connection network. And yeah, I don't fill it all up with that sort of stuff. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, I'm very careful to think about what is interesting to Joe, but what's most interesting to the members. Again, what's in it for them, right? Because everybody, uh, you know, does in my world, it's what's in it for them. But I'll tell you, it's really hard. Like when the person says, you know, marketing, not relationships, marketing is relationships. You know, the, the most important thing to do in marketing is to bond with other people. And if you are disconnected from yourself, it is really freaking hard to connect with other people. I mean, you, you ha that's, the, that's the big trick here. You know, what I hope happens when people read my book is that they learn a bunch of tactics and strategies and methodologies and processes. And every chapter ends with dominoes on things that everyone could pretty easily do. Uh, some are more difficult than others, but for the most part, I didn't put anything in there that a, a person could not uh, apply. Uh, what I really hope happens after someone reads the book and they start utilizing it is they become more connected with themselves because it's really hard to be empathetic and conscientious for another human being if you are totally disconnected, if you if, if you are filled with, ah, if, if there's constant angst. And so what humans want is more woo and less ah. And the ah, you know, so the sabbatical was not about going anywhere. It was about going inward. It wasn't about going outward. Uh, you know, all of the, and, and so my addiction is story is, you know, I, every day I'm doing something related to addiction recovery. One of the best ways I do it is I talk about it with other people. Uh, you know, I created an educational platform called Genius Recovery. There's an open letter on geniusrecovery.org. If anyone wants to read a short letter of my views and, and people go there for links to meetings, videos, and, and we give it away for free. You know, we, it's, uh, and, and I feel that's one of the, what a waste of marketing talents to not take uh, this and find an area that I know something about that I've struggled with myself and use my marketing skills to help in other areas other than just making money. And again, making money is a good thing. Uh, it allows me to do this stuff. If I, if I did all the proceeds of my book, what's in it for them go to genius recovery. So, you know, every person that buys the book contributes to the book is, you know, helping in some small way or big way, uh, people that, you know, have addictions. Cause that's, that's what I want to spend uh, my life doing. It's awesome, man. Uh, I know we're running short on time. I'm going to hit a couple rapid fire questions from, from our viewers. I'm going to start with one heavy one and then I'm going to get to a little more. I'll say back to the book. Um, my friend, Charlie says, thanks, Joe. I'm a father and an addict six years sober. What is needed to raise kids so they don't turn to addiction? Well, what uh, addiction is a solution. So let me, uh, you know, I, I, it took me a while and I still think about this a lot, uh, but it's, uh, you know, my friend Gabor Mate says the question is not why the addiction, but why the pain. So people turn to addiction, drugs, alcohol, like the number one killer in America is sugar first, tobacco second, alcohol third, opiates fourth. That's Those are the substances people consume. Then there's all the process addictions from eating to sex to work. And you have to eat, you, have, you, know, you don't have to have sex, but if you don't, you're going to be pretty unfulfilled. Uh, we're biologically wired to eat, sleep, you know, work. Uh, it's when it becomes obsessive. So th it, there's nothing fundamentally good or bad about some of the things. It's 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 what it's doing to your life. Uh, so with you know with with drugs and alcohol and stuff, people turn to those things uh, oftentimes when they're you know unhealthy, when their dopamine levels are off, when they're not eating well, uh, it, or when they have a lot of pain and trauma. So I think one of the best things that anyone could do as a parent is love your kids, obviously. Uh, be a great model because they do witness, uh, even if you think you're hiding it from them, they're not that dumb. And so, you know, if you have secrets in your life, do you, the, the best thing, like, I cannot tell you how many workaholics have messed up kids. And they're like, you know, come out, can you help fix the kids? It's like, you want to fix the kids, fix yourself. You have to do your own recovery. You want to be a great role model for your kids, show them love, show them compassion, uh, show them that you're not perfect. Uh, don't, don't become attached to them and make them your, because a lot of people, they have very unhealthy relationships with their family. Then they wonder why their family's unhealthy. And so part of it is step into a 12 step room, uh, go to a therapist, you know, that, that sort of thing. But the, the, the very best thing is, uh, 
like is is to view addicts not as degenerates, uh, but as people pursuing a way to soothe pain. So my goal is to change the global conversation about how people view and treat addicts with compassion instead of judgment and find the best forms of treatment that have efficacy and share those with the world. So you you want it's how you view people. You can't punish pain out of people. And if someone is in pain, like your kids are doing drugs or they're doing something, uh, you know, look, there, there's entertainment that you know i i understand all that they're not everyone that drinks or does drugs is an addict a lot, i i hear it all the time aren't we all addicted to something no actually i think there's a lot of people whose lives are not unmanageable and don't wake up with a compulsivity to do a behavior or a substance and they can't control their lives the, the people that are though if you can look at them and say wow you know where's the pain at it's like chapter one of my book be a pain detective all of that be a pain detective came from knowing my own internal pain and knowing that there's so many people walking the planet that are struggling with addiction and they're just trying to get out of pain. And if you can, if you can have that empathetic approach and you just, even if you don't say a word, if you're sitting in the presence of someone and they accept you, even if you're doing things that they disagree with, you feel that energy of like love and care and concern. And if someone's really messed up, if some of your kids have done really awful shit, get help, but don't, don't try to do it alone. Some things are outside. Like if you've been burned by somebody and they're burning in front of you, you know, you need to get metaphorically speaking, a firefighter, you need someone that can come in and interject. You need something to extinguish that. And so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of layers to that, to that, that sort of question, but read the big books of Alcoholics Anonymous or walk into a everyone, even if you don't identify with addiction, you will have a friend a family member, an employee, go to an open meeting and sit and listen. If someone devoted five to 10 hours of their life sitting in open 12-step meetings, you will have a completely different view of humanity. And I would almost bet it will make you a lot more compassionate and make you realize I never knew that. Most people will never do that, but it's free. It won't cost you anything. You can look up, you know, even on Genius Recovery, you can look up the area for meetings, any sort of addiction, cocaine, uh, alcohol, work, eating, sex, gambling, you know, in, in Phoenix, the fifth largest city in the United States, there's only one Workaholics Anonymous meeting in Scottsdale and one Debtors Anonymous. This is a condition that hardly anyone deals with. Wow. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot. All right, I'm gonna try to get through a couple more. Uh, Matt, my friend asked, Matt asked that, you know, would you expand a little bit part on the part of the book where you said success is not only about who you spend time with, but it's also about who you consciously don't waste time on. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, think about, we only have so much Tammy time, attention, money, effort, and energy. And so getting results doesn't take time. It's the not getting results that takes up all the time, which is a quote from my buddy, Dan Sullivan. And so if you spend time with people that squander it and you don't respect it and you're, you see, uh, Zig Ziglar um, had that famous line, uh, you can get anything you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. And my friend Martin Howie came to one of my Genius Network meetings, I don't know, God, going back probably like nine years ago or so now, where he, I had him give a short talk and he said, you know, it's like that saying, uh, people don't want a, a drill, they want a hole. He goes, well, not everyone that buys a drill wants a hole. They want to stir pain. There's other things you can do with a drill other than drill holes, which I thought was kind of funny. But the whole saying of you can help other people get what they want that not only won't do a damn thing for you, they will take advantage of you, they will abuse you, you will let them into your world and they will hurt you. So part of it is, you know, the not to-do list is more important than the to-do list the list of people that bring woo into your life, uh, you know, th that whole saying the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Well, my friend Peter says the squeaky wheel gets replaced. Uh, the things that consume a lot of your time are people that are zeros in terms of adding value, uh, appreciation, uh, utilization, you know, people that use you get rid of them. I, I want people to utilize me. I don't want people to use me. I don't want to use anybody. I want to utilize people. Uh, I want people that are reciprocal. I always start with giving first, but I give people an opportunity. If they don't reciprocate, if they're not, and I don't mean reciprocate, like I don't mean uh, give to get. I hate that attitude. I'm only going to give to someone if I get something like, like what the fuck? What about just being a giver, right? And you're going to come across takers, but you filter them. You, you develop your spidey senses. And, and, and the one thing 
you know, you know that I have to, it is difficult for some people to get about my book is I'll say, if you are a giver, you are, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when you're going to be taken advantage of. And by the time you get to my book, you probably have already had it happen a hundred times in your life in really bad ways, but that's how you get better uh, sort of thing. But yeah, the selection of uh, putting your energy towards else, not towards halves will save you so much time and make a list, make a list of the important people in your life that you spend time with. Who's a half, who's an elf. And you know, if, if, if you owe them money and they're being a pain in the ass, they're not the problem. You're the problem. You need to pay them back. But, you know, so hopefully that answers the question. Absolutely. Fred, I'm going to let you pick the last question, dude. There's too many good ones in there that uh, I just don't want the pressure to be on. So goodness. I'm going to go with this. There was a lot on uh, coming out of the sabbatical. But, Joe, my friend Deneen just added one that I think will take us out of here on maybe a little happier note, which is um, any b tips for laughing more uh specifically Deneen's gone through some grief and you know finds laughing hard to step back into so whether you're a Deneen or you're just some of us that need a lighter looser environment uh what are some tips man for having more fun and laughing more often that's actually a great question I love it so uh here's what I would say if if you don't have a joy list uh, a list of things that bring joy your life will be joyless so I actually have a tool called a fun times tool. And if they get further into the book, I'm trying to think what chapter that is. Uh, there is a companion website that goes along with the book. And everyone that has a book, you can just look it up. And the, uh, there, there's a site and, and you can actually get the uh, fun times tool. So I, I, I have a tool where people can list uh, what, you know, who do they have fun with? How often do they do it? What do they like doing? And it's a simply a single, you know, if someone doesn't have the tool, just brainstorm on paper. Who do you have fun with? What brings you fun? Is it with others? Is it by yourself? How often do you do it? When are you going to do it next? So, uh, you know, how schedule a super happy fun day. That's a term I got from Dean Jackson. So super happy fun day and schedule a super happy fun day where you nothing but things that you can that can bring you joy. It could be going to movies. It could be going to comedy clubs. It could be hiking. It could be hanging out with, you know, one of your friends or your family, whatever uh, does that. And the, the other thing is, here's what pain is. Uh, uh, you know, pain is a messenger. And so if you have a lot of uh, pain in your life, there are messages that can give you. And what, what comedy is, is comedy is pain plus time equals comedy. Everyone here can relate to something where they, they, they can look back to an event in their life that at the time was so freaking grueling and they can laugh about it now. Why? Because they put perspective and they put time in between it. And there are certain things that have happened to you that you're still burnt. You've got shrapnel that's still you know, stuck inside of you, metaphorically and physically speaking. You're resentful. You got to deal with the resentments. Uh, you know, And in order to have a joy, you got to get better sleep. So think of how do you solve one problem that solves 10 problems? If you are lacking sleep right now, there's 10 things going on in your life right now from the diet, your hunger, what you're craving, your ability to focus, your attitude, uh, how short you are, your patience level. All these things improve if you get better sleep. And the same things, if you're running yourself like a crazy person, it's really hard to have fun. I'll, I'll end with a million dollar racehorse, just is something to leave everyone with. But, the, the you know, I love the fun thing. Uh, in the book, I suggest go to a comedy club. Uh, take improv classes, hang out with funny people. You can usually gauge the value of most relationships by how often they laugh together. If you see people that never able to laugh together, go find some funny friends. And if you're not really funny, you can actually learn to be funnier or at least find the things that fill you up with joy. And I don't care if it's corny, if it's dancing to freaking like the Bee Gees, I mean, which I would never do. If, if, however, if, if you're into that, whatever, it's your life, you know, do what makes you happy don't do things just because you feel you have to present yourself in a particular way to a particular person. Hang out with people that accept you, and that will allow you to accept yourself. So the thing I said about Million Dollar Racehorse, I, I share this all the time with uh, my very successful entrepreneurs, that if you had a racehorse, and every time the horse ran in a race, you'd win a million dollars, then you have to say, how would I treat that racehorse? Uh, I would have the best food, the best trainers, the best exercise, the best nutrition. Uh, I would not overtrain the horse. I would not have the horse up till 3 a.m. drinking, smoking, watching porn, hanging out with losers. Uh, I would I would totally take care of that horse. And I would have the horse in the right races, not the wrong races. 
you never win a race you don't want to be in, which is something my friend Nick Peterson says. And so the punchline is you're the million dollar racehorse, uh, you know, in how you treat yourself. So uh, that includes fun. That include so all this about connecting with other people critical. It's important. Your life will greatly expand the more that you take the emphasis off of yourself on the other people. You also have to receive too, though. Hang out with people that also have the what's in it for them attitude as they apply it to you. You know, I love hanging out with people that are like, what's in it for them? You guys are a perfect example of this. You bought a copy of my book. You shared it with everyone. Uh, you asked if I would be on, of course, you know, uh, like, like how, how would I not? For, first off, you guys are friends. Secondly, you, I mean, you're, you're, you're spreading the message of this. I like that. And so, of course, I want to. Uh, that's L for me. You know, I'm just ra rambling about shit I like talking about anyway. And so, uh, you know, if you don't have enough fun in your life, you're probably doing stuff you don't really like. Because, you know, get get the, the the angst. And all that being said, professionals, uh, you know, amateurs wait for inspiration. Professionals do it with a headache. I, I said this at a seminar years ago. Uh, and Jack Canfield, one of the authors of uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul, I, I, I know both the goofballs that wrote those books. Um, but, it, you know, he came up to me and he's like, I love that line you said. And what I said was, to all these young entrepreneurs, I said, you know, if I would have known being successful was this much work, I would have stuck with being a loser. And, you know, it's it's difficult. It's hard to run a business. In order to get to ELF, in the beginning, things usually are not ELF. You actually usually have to work pretty hard to set up things to be ELF. But it is totally doable and the rewards are proportional. And that's why you have to have fun because fun allows you to go through the difficult times. But if it's nonstop grind, Get the hell out. You know, you, you, the, some games in life, the only way you win is you don't play. Some some relationships, you're never going to win them if you're in them. You need to get out of them. And so humor and fun and, and, and just being thoughtful about where you put your time, attention, money, effort, and energy is great. And one of the best ways to get better at this is take someone along with you and, and create someone who's a fun uh, a, a fun companion, a fun mentor. They don't even need to know that that's what the purpose is uh, and just be fun with them and try to have fun and develop it and uh, quit working so damn much. And with, if you, you'll be more fun that way too. So hope that helps. Dude, that was awesome. Uh, we got to We got to end here. That was, I, I could probably have this conversation for another two or three hours. And uh, we all have, uh, you know, commitments and whatnot. And Joe, I just want to say thanks for spending the time with us today and, and investing in, and honestly for writing the book and for everything you do, man. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. Thank you. And thank you for getting a copy to everyone. And I really hope uh, they found this valuable and I hope my book is a, a domino for everyone. And I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, Joe, I just want to say, man, I don't know if many people know how we all met, but I'm so appreciative that we bought the building in the parking lot across from you, having no knowledge that that was your building, because uh, right. your relationship with you, man, has just enhanced our lives a lot. And I just took a bunch of notes today. I was still over here just planning to moderate, and then you started dropping so much stuff that I got to go back and listen to this. So uh, if you're like me and you want to hear more from Joe Polish, uh, we won't wrangle him into a second interview, but you can go find his I Love Marketing podcast as well as lots of other content out there online from Joe. I encourage you to uh, follow him and just take part in some of the things he's doing, man. So thank you so much, Joe. Uh, greatly appreciate you, dude. You're welcome. Thank you, guys. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. Right. Talk to y'all soon. Thank you to those of you that joined. We appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you're looking for even more valuable content and resources to help you grow your business, then we invite you to join our community, Next Level Agents at eXp Realty. By joining us, you'll gain access to exclusive benefits like live trainings, events, masterminds, weekly Zooms, digital downloads, and so much more, all designed to help you grow your business. To learn more and become a part of our community, simply visit kevinandfred.com forward slash contact and get in touch with us today. Of course, if you're not quite ready to take the plunge and join our community, that's no problem at all. You can still access all of our great content for free right here on this podcast. And again, we thank you for listening. We look forward to continuing to bring you valuable insights and more advice in the future.